Hello, and welcome to the Gears and Chronos podcast. This is Alexander. Hello, everyone. My name is Dennis. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, today, this is uh, episode number seven, I believe. And today, we're basically just going to go over uh, the watch world um, and how it's changed over the last year and going into this year. Um, it's pretty much the middle of 2021. Uh, and there, there's been a lot of changes in terms of uh, trends and, and what people um are buying and in brands and the decisions that the brands are making as well. Uh, so we're just going to have a brief kind of talk about that and how things have changed. Um, so yeah, I mean, Alexander, you want to, I guess we could just start with a, uh, a wrist check if you, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. So what are you wearing this weekend? So I'm wearing my, um, the, the Yajir Lekult, uh, memo box that my grandfather gave me It's my, uh, my go-to weekend watch, um, still loving it. Um, definitely, uh, thinking about doing a, uh, strap change on it. Cause the strap is on, is like had on there for years and it's a little bit ratty, but, um, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. Um, uh, yeah, still loving it. Uh, nice. what are you wearing? Uh, I'm wearing the, uh, my IWC, um, Portuguese chronograph. Uh, I've, I've been wearing it actually a good amount. I've been getting used to it again, uh, just, just because I've been wearing the like OP a lot and I'm so used to that, like 36 millimeter size. So mm-hmm. when I put anything on, that's like bigger than a 36, it just like, it feels really strange, but I put it on, I have it on that like Hodinkee, um, kind of like vintage inspired leather strap and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Like I, I've been wearing it a good amount, uh, yeah, it, I, it's been good so far. I think it's a good change of pace, and it's kind of funny. Like, I wish it it weren't a chronograph because I feel like it kind of ruins the the look a little bit. And I mm. never use the chronograph function anyway, so like, <laughs> you know, I don't really need it. Um, but yeah, it, it's a great watch, and uh, I'm glad I swapped this bracelet because or the strap because like it was just way too dressy on the alligator mm. alligator strap. But yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, no, no complaints about it. Like, it, it's is a good, it's a good, uh, good daily. Cool, that's great to hear. I'm glad you're uh, wearing it again. Yeah, it's good to have it on my wrist. But um, what kind of strap do you, are you thinking for your uh, JLC? Um, I'm thinking maybe get a a Hodinky leather strap because I mean those nice, straps yeah. are just so nice. Yeah, yeah, it's good quality. Like the the only issue with with the one I have is like it's starting to touch the the inside of of the watch where the the strap kind of goes so it's been like rubbing um some of the leather off of the strap itself but i'm pretty sure like eventually it'll make a hole and then i'll have to get a new strap anyway but um mm. yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah super good quality like it looks great you know the the hardware that they use is really cool too so that's great yeah, to hear good stuff cool so um uh ready to get into the uh main topic yeah sure Let, let's let's do it awesome so I remember at the beginning of this um, this this pandemic, I remember the the uh, the watch, um, all the major, a lot of the watch manufacturers. Um, they had first there was the big news of all like uh, they call it the um, the uh, roll roll exit, I think is what they called it, or um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of from yeah. Basel World, like yeah. Patek, Rolex, a lot of the big manufacturers they pull out of there, and then. They, they decided to pull their start their own um uh trade show and then you have like a lot of the factories shutting down um as the pandemic gets worse so, i mean it's like kind of doom and gloom at the beginning of it and you you have all that and you have 
just um, a big drop in sales. Um, so I feel like at the beginning of last year, 2020, it was definitely pretty bad, looking pretty bad for the watch industry as a whole. And mm-hmm. yeah. it's kind of interesting, like uh, looking back now, just because um, they just in that relatively short time frame, like how much things can change as we'll get into, obviously, as, it, as we talk about um, later on. But um, yeah, what, 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 are, what are your thoughts, Dennis? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was kind of interesting that um, obviously the entire world kind of came to a standstill around that March 2020, April 2020, um, when COVID was getting really serious uh, and everything was just shut down. Like nobody wanted to go outside. And um, I personally think that a lot of, it forced a lot of brands to rethink their business model um, and forced them to kind of think outside the box to kind of like mitigate that, I guess. Um, and to kind of keep their brand alive because like people around that time uh, just you know, off this Hodinkee article that we, we both read um, obviously a lot of watch sales in that period have dropped like you know, 30, 40%. Also what we talked about earlier too is, is uh, probably because of production issues and delays that there weren't enough uh, watches or you know, anything really to be sold. So it's kind of the two and two. The demand dropped significantly, and also supply just tanked as well, um, just because you, you the factories are shut down. Um, so it, it kind of created this this weird time where everybody was just kind of by themselves and and uh, at home, you know, doing nothing. Uh, well, people were still working, but a lot of people got laid off. Uh, so it was kind of a strange time where where I think a lot of businesses started to downsize um they realized like you know there's certain areas of the business that were not needed and they, they can get rid of it maybe there's some people um at that certain business maybe they they weren't necessary for the business to operate i know a lot of companies in, in especially in the city in new york city you know they they stopped renting their their office space to, and just worked remote and a lot of those businesses are still doing that today because they realize like they actually don't need that space um, so I think it's really interesting, the, the downsizing aspect of it, um, and kind of going from that till now where things are starting to get a little bit better. Um, obviously people are going out more, spending more money and we just see like a huge, huge increase in, in any luxury item, especially, you know, obviously, obviously watches like we're talking about. Uh, so I just think it's, it's really interesting how, how things have completely done a you know a 180 and more um and i don't think anybody would have thought you know that would have happened so mm-hmm. you know we see that every sector anything that's used used cars you know housing anything is it, just uh the demand is just so high for for anything nowadays and uh you know there, there's a lot of factors to that and i think most of that is just the pent-up demand um, from those couple months that you know we weren't doing anything, but yeah, I just think I think it's really interesting, and um, you know, we're we're at a time now that I, I think it's just going to keep going up from from here. So, um, mm. yeah, it's kind of my like thoughts on that. But yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It's um the the one thing that I really stuck out with me um last year, both examples from the Rolex Group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have first, I, I want to say it was early 
June or July, uh, when Rolex unveiled the new Black Bay 58 Navy, mm-hmm. and they that was their first time doing the date of the sale, the day of release. Yeah, yeah. Which was definitely an interesting turn of events because before that, you would have to wait months after to actually get it in stores mm-hmm. because. Obviously, during the pandemic, people aren't going to be going to stores as much or um, spending as much yet. Yeah, you saw a huge demand for those for those pieces as they first came out. They were like very difficult to get. I remember calling dealers at the time is like basically like good luck getting one kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And then same with the Oyster Perpetual come September. I mean, yeah, the heck, the demand still for that is still crazy, and it's like impossible to get any of those watches so i mean it's kind of interesting like how i feel like that i don't know about you but i feel like that kind of like started like that craze again um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at least from what i remember seeing um because before that i mean you had the factories that it had closed um yeah they obviously was still demand probably with these pieces but especially with new stuff you didn't really see that as much before because of the uncertainty for uncertainty, excuse me. Um, mm-hmm, and I feel like yeah. around the summertime, I feel like that, that kind of started to change. And especially now, I mean, like people are just going crazy and just buying a lot of luxury goods, um, in general. And also obviously in the watch sector, uh, just spending a lot more on high end pieces, um, which is definitely great for the market overall. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And I, I think during those months that people had a lot of time or they're working from home and, you know, they, or maybe they weren't working, they, there's a lot of, I guess, time to kind of research and figure out things like we're both, I feel like we're both kind of um, uh, analytical in a way. Like we like looking at certain things. We like looking at details, you know, whether that's like a car or watch, you know, like, you know, your bikes and stuff like that. You like looking at specific models like how this one differs from the other um so a lot of these types of items like such as watches cars they're all kind of related in that in that aspect um like there's a lot of research to be done you can get really nerdy with the details um so i think what happened was like a lot of these people started getting into different hobbies around that time um, because they were that type of person you know maybe they were into cars and, you know, they had a lot of time in their hands. So maybe they, they started to buy watches or they, they started to buy artwork or they started to buy, uh, you know, baseball cards, Pokemon cards or something like that. <laughs> That's very, well, now it's very collectible, but back then was very much kind of like a niche type of um, hobby. Uh, and I think just because of the whole quarantine thing, it really made that, those niche hobbies um, even more popular. And, you know, people just started buying stuff and you see, um, you see everything right now is just at an all time high. Like I've never seen stuff like this. Like I was looking at, this is kind of off topic, but I was looking at Fiesta STs. Oh my God, dude, they're, they're going for like almost 20 grand for like a Fiesta ST. And and I think like two, three years ago, I was looking at them and a really decent one was going for like, you know, 13, 14 grand. I don't know. It's just like, it's really crazy. All these, uh, all these prices, like Pokemon cards, some of these cards are trading for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Um, and, uh, it's insane. Like people are lining up at target every day just to get those like boxes or those packs, you know, it's like, I've never seen anything like it before. It's never been like this. 
which I, I don't I don't really know if it's a good or bad thing. I think it's a good thing for for the economy as a whole, but for those real like diehard people who have been in the hobby for a long time, um, I feel like it, it can kind of sicken them in a way that that it's just like, oh, all these people are just in it for for the profit or they just buy it because they want to flip it because it's so easy to do that now. Mm-hmm. Um so I, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad. Same thing with watches. Honestly, I don't, I don't know if it's good that a lot of these watches are hard to get. Um, it's like makes it harder for the for the for the real enthusiasts to enjoy. And uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's kind of my my little rant, I guess. No, I, I yeah, I totally agree with you. It's it's um, it can take away a lot of the joy, especially if you're like not in it for the money and you're in it for the pure joy of it. Cause I, I know for me, like seeing like these, um, like the, with the example I talked about before with the Rolex oyster perpetual, mm-hmm. like I really want that green dial, like, and that for right now, I mean that that's next to impossible to get. Um, yeah, yeah. and you're seeing like recently you have Patek Philippe releasing the Aquanaut, um, uh, uh sorry, the Nautilus, um, Uh-oh. And it with the uh, the new green dial, like is kind of the end of the fifty seven eleven, and I mean, yeah, realistically, that watch is going to be owned by only the 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 highest collectors on Patek's list to get those watches because they're next going to be next to impossible to get unless you have connections. Mm-hmm, and yeah. but that goes to show that even Patek is paying attention to those trends of the green watches because these days, like green is like that really hot color. Yeah, and you see like all these brands coming out with like really cool looking new dials. You saw like with some of the the new Bright Lanes and mm-hmm. and um, I think Oris had come out with some, and so did uh, yeah. Tag Heuer. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's pretty interesting to see like how this is almost seemed like the year of green, or the past two years is the year of green when yeah. it wasn't really a thing before. But people, the market definitely seems to be responding well to like the like those kind of colors and also like the more nostalgia stuff. Cause you see like a lot of reissues of like mm-hmm. older styles. And it's, it's kind of interesting like how like that's that looking back now with that, at this time of crisis or like at the, yeah. it's kind of an interesting um, trend. I mean, I don't know if there's any reading between the lines, but I mean, it's just a cool or interesting thing to uh, yeah. see. Yeah, no, I, I totally, I think the, um, uh, the trend right now is just bright colors and and mm. being different and uh, i think because we had such a crazy year last year i think a lot of people just want to you know they want to get out of the house they want to wear some something crazy wear something bright just to just to make themselves happy and i i think i think that's pretty cool i think that's cool and uh just like you said like a lot of brands are going back to their to their roots like reissuing uh, past styles and stuff like that and i think personally i, I think stuff like two-tone uh, two tone watches, like I think that's gonna come back. I, I think full like all gold, like the all gold, like you know Rolexes and stuff like that, the really gaudy type watches. I think those are gonna come back. Honestly, I, I think people mm-hmm. are are going. There's gonna be a pretty high demand um, for that, and also like dress watches. Once uh, stuff gets better and and people are gonna go out more, there's more events going on. People are definitely gonna want something that's uh, a little bit more dressy than you know like a standard watch on a steel bracelet you know so i i think there's like a a trend that's going in that direction just the like more casual 
more colorful, um, but also uh, dressy watches as well. So instead of like, you know, the all, all we really see right now are just like steel sports watches, which is like cool, but it's kind of boring. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I agree with you. It's uh, nice when they brands mix things up and kind of change from the norm just because, yeah, normal is good in the watch world, but it's also can get kind of same old, same old after a while. Yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of it's dr- driven by like social media. Um, just like, you know, everybody wants the same stuff and, uh, it's kind of like, I, I, I feel guilty of that. I feel like sometimes I only focus on hype, you know, the hype watches and the stuff I always see. Um, and obviously they, they are really nice, but you know, there's a lot of other brands out there that don't get enough attention, um, because they're just overshadowed by these like two watches from Rolex or like this one Patek, you know? So I, I, I especially with like the the um with the pandemic um a lot of these luxury brands have been doing really well or, or or recovering really well but I just wonder if those smaller brands are doing the same you know because like people obviously are saving money they they're they're the demand for that higher end watch has increased like crazy but I, I just wonder are people still buying those you know like less than like three thousand dollar watch um you know, like, is there a really high demand for something like that? Like, that's kind of my question. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of those brands should be more recognized, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, uh, yeah, because you, you see, like, a lot of the, the market um, bandwidth uh, being a lot more focused these um, in the past uh, 10 plus years um, yeah. with uh, the micro brands. Yeah, you see, like, um, like on the Gray Native, they talk a lot about Halios. Mm-hmm. And like some of the um, the other smaller brands that have just developed a, a niche for themselves, and like fa- uh, like Fairer or um, um, drawing a blank on the, the other names right now, but um, yeah. yeah, I've seen the um, but yeah, it's it's nice because you see those because they're like you know that the, the, they're true uh, watch enthusiasts at the helm of those um, brands, and they've still been releasing watches. Um, now sometimes you see like on Hodinkee or on some other sites, but it's uh, it's it's definitely refreshing to see because they're they're doing stuff that's quite a bit different that a lot of the big brands wouldn't dare to release. So that's pretty cool. I don't know what what do you see in terms of like trends? I know right now it's like all the colors and green is super hot. Um, but in your opinion, what do you see going into? Well, I guess like going into summer um, or later this year. Like what do you what do you think will be the next thing? Um, I, d- I definitely noticed that vintage or vintage inspired is definitely more of a thing these days than it used mm-hmm. to be. Um, just because like before it used to be huge watches, brands are definitely downsizing more. Um, yeah, because I mean, heck, you have like that that IWC big pilot that was always a mm-hmm. humongous watch, and you see even them downsizing that, which is a huge thing. Lot, lots of examples of watches being downsized more. So, I mean, as far as trends, I would say definitely smaller, yeah. overall smaller watches, but but also watches that have a little bit more um, pizzazz, like we were talking about before with, like, the different bright colors. Um, but, yeah, de- definitely a trend towards, like, more vintage inspired. I mean, like, there's definitely still a lot of modern watches out there, but definitely uh, skewed towards that more... Um, and I mean, maybe this yeah. is a nostalgia factor for looking at times of old. 
but yeah, I definitely see those things being a trend. Um, obviously, yeah. always the hot uh, dive watches for the summertime, but mm-hmm. I feel like that trend will never go away. But yeah, it's, it's off the top of my head, that's what I can think of. How about, how about you? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. I think um, the vintage market has kind of gone up like crazy the past couple months. And I think people, like we talked about before, they just had more time to research and think about like what they're really interested in. And um, I feel like vintage watches within the watch world is a whole world in itself. You know, like I, I don't really know much about it, but that's like a whole different world. Um, there's so many little details that you have to know about certain things. Like you could you could literally like read up you could spend a like week like a month just studying up on like a submariner and like the history behind it so i think that's really interesting that i think people are gravitated towards that type of watch where they can research a lot they're like oh i know the specific reference number um like i want this one you know like i want the big red i want the um uh what is like meters first I, like all these like little terms that they always say mm-hmm. um i think this is like so interesting but yeah, no, I, I totally agree. But what do you think? Do you think there's going to be a change in terms of how um, people buy watches? Or do you think it'll still be kind of like the traditional like AD type of style? Like, what do you think? I can, I can like similar, if you look at the the change with um, Basel World and the brands kind of going their own way and kind of creating their own thing, I can see similarly with the point of sale would be increasingly being online and the mm-hmm. brands controlling where their watches are sold more than they they used to because they didn't really have a choice. Whereas now, brands can kind of do it their way, have yeah. their own points of sale, um, own boutiques, or just have online um, with some brands. But I, I feel like there's going to be a lot more of that where brands are going to take control of that more. I mean, obviously, with the big brands like from Richemont Group to um, Swatch Group to Rolex Patek, I mean... I feel like especially with like some of the old school brands like Rolex and Patek, they're always going to do the point of sale at their their authorized dealers. And I feel mm-hmm. like because they've always prioritized that. So I feel like mm-hmm. those kind of brands always stick with that, the more traditional. But I feel like a lot of the other brands, uh, Richemont or Swatch or some other um, companies, I feel like they'll definitely trends, trend more towards that. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I do. I, de- I definitely agree. I think there will be more online presence. Um, and just ways that are easier to buy like you know you could buy straight from like their instagram post or you know just just to make it easier so you don't have to go all the way to the ad to buy i I definitely think so Um, but like what you said traditionally i I think if you're buying a rolex you're buying a patek any kind of like you know important watch i think it'll it'll still make sense to have an ad and like a salesperson um i just think that that heightens the experience a lot more uh than just buying online but it's pretty crazy like you you know like i was looking at the speedy and i could just buy the speedy online like it's crazy like i could just buy it have it shipped to the house and personally like i feel like you know the speedy is not an expensive watch it is you know pretty pricey but in terms of um high-end watches it's not you know three uh six figures or anything like that but to me, I feel like I still want that kind of experience, you know, going to the store, trying it on, talk to the guy and, you know, like taking delivery of it, like quote unquote delivery. Mm-hmm. I think I would like that more than just getting it in a box 
um, you know, at my front door. And I, yeah. I just feel like that's, even though it's not, like I said, it's not a Rolex, not a Patek, it's not a hard to get watch by any means. It's not, you know, anything super crazy. I just feel like I still need that connection with the AD. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, um, I think brands should make it easier for people to buy, but also still have that storefront. Maybe, you know, downsize the storefront, make it a little bit more like a um like a pop-up store rather than like an established ad uh maybe that might make more sense i'm not sure Mm -hmm. but yeah that that makes a lot of sense because i mean it's 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 much harder these days to justify having a full-blown ad especially if it's like limited amount of brands that you carry just because it's there aren't as many people um that are buying that way anymore. I mean, I feel like in the cities, I feel like it's a different story, but in smaller towns, it's probably increasingly more difficult. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously local to us, we have some bigger authorized uh, dealers that carry multiple brands. I feel like that kind of model can still make a lot of sense, even going in the future, just because you have a, a big draw of big brands like Rolex and Patek and um, uh, Cartier, uh, yeah. numerous brands. Whereas if you, only you have like one brand or like a few smaller brands, it becomes increasingly more difficult just because there's a lot of expense in having a, a storefront, especially if it's like in a fancier area. Mm-hmm. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I feel like no matter what, I mean, I feel like wh- whatever happens will happen for the good yeah. just because change is always going to be inevitable in that case, because um, the watch industry has to adapt um, and change for the, the the future yeah no i i agree it's kind of weird um because i feel like the watches the watch industry in general is a very old-fashioned um industry and how it how it operates and their business is pretty um you know the the way that they do business is kind of uh uh you know kind of old-fashioned just like the marketing like we talked about in our um i think it was the episode that we're talking about the uh it was like women in watches based off that Hodinkee article, it's kind of like their marketing campaigns are all very old fashioned. There's not a lot of dramatic effects or, or, um, you know, big marketing plans that they do. They they pretty much all, all the brands pretty much stick to their uh, traditional, um, you know, catchphrases, slogans, um, you know, type, type of thing. Yeah. I don't don't know. I, I, I think it's, uh, it's good that there's change, but, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if it really makes sense for them to do it because they're doing so well anyway. You know, mm. like Rolex is going to sell no matter what. Patek is going to sell no matter what, um, unless they obviously do something drastic, which they're not going to do. But you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting how how that works. And I think mm. they've already established themselves as a brand and as like a trendsetter. It's kind of like the the Explorer, um, the two tone Explorer. Like everybody's like trashing on it. They they hate it. Whatever. Honestly, I think that's going to be a future classic, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I also feel like, um, to kind of to tie th- to um, to go back to what we were talking at the beginning with with the start of the pandemic, I feel like that kind of I'm not sure wake up call is the right word, but kind mm-hmm. of just like a um, just for all the brands like and the watch world that everything is not going to always be business as usual, and things can change. And I feel like that kind of gave them all a kind of a wake up call. Maybe that'll uh, influence on some of the changes as well, that they can't always do things as usual. And things do sometimes have to change and they have to adapt for the situation. 
Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that goes for all, all businesses. I think a lot a lot of businesses realize that you know th- they need to change their model, or they um, they have to rely more on their online presence or social media presence when they didn't really care about that like last year. And uh, I, I think it's pretty good, but I also think it, it kind of boosted a lot of a lot of activity on certain on certain platforms. If that if that makes sense? Kind of like everything is online now. Uh, everything is established online. Everything is established on social media. Uh, so there there's kind of a less uh, of a human aspect to it. Um, it's more like. Um, because I feel like social media in general is more of a humanized type of way of communicating online. Whereas uh, now all these corporate and, and, you know, older fashion companies are starting to be more, um, have more presence on those platforms. It kind of makes it less humanized because like these companies aren't really making it um, kind of like these, these content creators, like the content that they're making is just very plain, very, um, you know, just very, uh, you know, general type of content. So it's like flooding the the platforms with um, kind of these more like corporate type of messages, which is, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's, that's good or bad. It's just a interesting thing to think about. And that's why I feel like social media changes so often because there's so many different trends um, and stuff works, stuff doesn't. So, and people are learning about that. So yeah, but I think it's good that a lot of these companies are re- rethinking their business, and um, you know, hopefully, hopefully for the better. Yeah, and hopefully, like, make it easier to to get your OP. You know, so yeah, fingers crossed, man. Thanks. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm still waiting on the GMC. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a while. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's been a good uh, discussion. I think it's probably good to, good one to wrap up. Uh, what do you think? Sure. Yeah, I don't I don't really have anything else to add. Um, so yeah, this is a good place to wrap up. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Be sure if you have any questions or general inquiries, whatever, whatever you want to send, you can send us memes. You could uh, email us at gearsandchronos at gmail.com. Yeah. So thank you for uh, listening, everybody. Thank you. Have a, have a good one, guys.